You're listening to Brainwaves on WRBB 104.9 FM. My name is Piper Leopold, and I am here today with Steve Grinelli, a professor at Northeastern University studying in the arts of communication. Personally, I had a class with him my first year, second semester, which was lovely. Thank you, Steve, for the lovely class. You're Uh, welcome. (laughs) And... Yeah, so today we are going to be discussing how the sudden change in relationships in terms of March's 2020 quarantine with COVID-19 has affected communication. So I have my own questions in terms of this just because as a college-age student, I've seen a lot of my peers get into relationships amidst COVID, which has been a little bit bizarre, and I don't know if it's necessarily realistic. And I find myself having the same conversation over and over with friends. And my mom has been asking me about it as well. So they always ask. They always ask. So I brought Steve in to clarify some things today. Sure. Uh, glad to be able to help uh, as a disclaimer. Yes, uh, I do teach in communication studies. Um, I, it's relationship communication is something that's always been very interesting to me, like how we build and maintain relationships through communication and then all the external factors that have an influence on that. So this has been a very interesting time um, with COVID, with quarantine, with all of the things that have impacts on relationships. But there's not a whole lot of difference between some of the other real big general things that impact communication too. So uh, it's not like we have to wait for all this new research to come out years and years down the line before we know how this how this impacted relationships we can just look at like generally big things that impact relationships so um yeah i'll have plenty to talk about okay great thank you so first of all i would like to ask steve do you think that the relationships that arose amidst covid19 were out of genuine interest or simply convenience i would I would say, well, I don't want to say depends to every single one of these. um, And I don't want to say both to every single one of these, but the answer is both. Um, Were we more desirous of having connections when we were all feeling very alone, especially people who were quarantining by themselves and people that were only quarantining with like family members or roommates? Were we going out of our way to like find other ways to connect with people? Yes. Like we were all doing that so much so that everybody realized that now we're having zoom parties and now people are looking for the games you can play online and people were looking up different types of first date ideas as opposed to you know just meeting in bars like now we're like oh make me a powerpoint slideshow like that that being a thing that people were doing just suggests that everybody was looking for a little bit more connection during the time of quarantine all right everybody was more motivated some people absolutely needed somebody else to care about and somebody else to care about them to maybe still feel like they had impact. So like in, in our communication class, like in intro, we talk a lot about how one of the big things in sending and receiving messages is you want to know that they have impact. Like the worst thing is just being in a vacuum and like talking and it's not having an impact on anybody. Like that's really, that's really sad. Um, It can have a really negative effect on mental health and all that kind of stuff. Um, And we want to know, like, even if I'm in a bad mood, somebody out there cares. So since we were in quarantine because our circles were so limited and we were more motivated to reach out and communicate with other people, I think there were certain people who needed to know that their words 
had impact, that their feelings meant something to somebody else. So that kind of pushed us to take that next step and like find somebody else who we could have impact on. So that's a long way to say. <laughs> I think that quarantine definitely pushed us to try to find those connections more. I don't think that means those connections were not genuine. Okay, that's fair. So it's very okay. circumstantial in terms yeah. of the relationship is what you're saying. But more people wanted to find those relationships because of the loneliness that quarantine brought. Yes, like there are people like in my life who were uh, not acquaintances, but they were like, you know, they were friends. Right. And then when quarantine started, maybe there were just some things like they were more comfortable with Zoom or they were better texting or they were better, you know, or they were the kind of people that just like wanted to check in on you every day. And I got really close with some people over the last year that I was not very close with prior. And it's not that we went from a place of like not knowing each other to knowing each other more. It was just the circumstance kind of led to us talking more. Like I've had four hour Zoom conversations with this person that I'm thinking of where we probably had the longest conversation we had prior to quarantine was 10 minutes. And it's just a function of we both needed connection. We needed to kill time, really. We wanted something else to do besides watch TV. And then when you just, you have this medium that two people are comfortable with and you both have an internet connection and you're like, I don't care. I can sit in front of my computer for Excel. And now all of a sudden I have like another, you know, I have another really good friend in my life because of quarantine. Right. Which shouldn't make any sense. Like you, that you should be like, shouldn't you only have connected with the people that you already knew? And it's like, no, everybody was in the same boat and we're all looking for connections. So it kind of makes sense that two people, especially romantically, might be able to make a connection they didn't necessarily see before just because the circumstances pushed them to communicate that much. Right. And also you can't necessarily see a lot of people. So to have one person that you consistently see. Do you know like how much we can multitask when we're texting people? Like you can be watching TV and you can be texting five other people and you can be doing so much stuff. When we were doing, I mean, when everybody defaulted to like video chat, that being the way that we're going to communicate with everybody, you can't even multitask on video chat the way you can on a phone call. Like when I call somebody on the phone, I'm pacing and I can even watch TV while I'm on the phone with somebody else. And I've done that before. And I can text other people while I'm on the phone. You can't do any of that on video chat. Like it is... Zoom, like you right it's facetime to the extreme beyond that because it's like you would you would schedule video chats with people and like sit down and be like ready to to do this now and you're so engaged with somebody else you're giving all of yourself to them they're giving all of themselves and attention to you so it's easy to feel like i'm more connected to that person in this moment than i would have been out of quarantine pandemic and just facetiming with them Okay, moving on, in terms of those couples that were together prior to, this doesn't necessarily pertain only to college students, but yeah. is there any form of healthy communication between couples that were quarantined together? Is that possible? It's hard. Man, that, that seems like, I, I felt like there was a, there was a real kind of um, strange window into people's lives like the people that ended up quarantining with their uh with their significant other because i think a lot of that there were a lot of people on instagram who were like quarantining with my boyfriend like day one or you know and they were in i i was following comedians that were doing it and it was very funny they were doing little skits about it but it was stuff that was happening to everyone it was like you are now exposed to this person 24 hours a day you can't hide 
any, you can't hide anything. Um, plus, not just being alone with them all day, because normally that would be nice. You have a significant other and you're like, let's spend all day Saturday together and let's just watch movies or let's do anything. But now when you have no other option to do that and you have to decide each meal that you're going to eat together and like, what do you want? And what do you not want? And, and when you're going to go to bed and what side you're going to be on and no, you can't go back to your place and just get closed. Like you're stuck here. Like that's extra added stress on any person individually, much less on a relationship. If couples already lived together, at least they probably were able to manage that a little bit better. If couples had a larger space, even if they have two bedrooms, that's easier to manage together. Man, I'm thinking about people like in Boston who were stuck in a one, like a small one bedroom, like with their significant other. And now they're like, wow, we're really going to get to know each other. And I, I mean, I know that I know couples that did it and they managed it, but they also managed it with like, yeah, there was going to be bad and there was going to be some good. But they weren't looking at it like, oh, this is going to be such a positive thing for our relationship. They're like, this is a test. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that's how it functioned for a lot of relationships. It was more it was more a test of the strength of the relationship. And do we have the ability to communicate with each other about this thing? And then, I mean, I know in class, maybe you could surmise this a little bit, but mm-hmm. the nap staircase mm-hmm. I'm wondering about. How is that looking for those couples? Because the de- developmental stages definitely went very fast and there were a you, couple skipped. Yeah, it was like you had, to, you had to go immediately to bonding because you were living together. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, your lives had to be, I mean, they were forced to be integrated because you were living in the same space. Mm-hmm. And everybody knew probably outwardly if you're quarantining with somebody, like you are stuck with them. Also going back to what we said before, if you are somebody that needs some type of connection uh, and you need to be able to like talk to somebody or whatever, and you need to know that your words have impact, that must've felt great. Like there was somebody always there, you know, um, like who, whatever you said had an impact on them, whatever you did had an impact on them um, and vice versa too. So like in terms of Knapp's model, it, uh, it like dropped a bomb in the middle of it because it probably pushed a lot of people into stages that they hadn't planned on being in before. But there's another theory that we didn't talk about in class, which uh, I think is probably more applicable. And it's called turning point theory. Um, and turning point theory is the, the knowledge that there are particular natural turning points in relationships that are going to have an effect on them. And when we talk about them in, like for college students, graduation is a turning point. Let's say you're dating somebody throughout college and then you graduate. What are we going to do? Like, are we going to move in together? Like, it's almost like external factors are forcing you to make decisions. Uh, co-op is a turning point for Northeastern students. You have to decide like what, you know, our lives are going to be inherently different. What are we going to do? Um, but all of those are things that have impacts on relationships. And at least sometimes we can plan for them. We can think about them ahead of time. We can talk about them openly, but quarantine and COVID was a massive, like it was a thing that needed to be addressed for the health of the relationship. You couldn't just keep going as the way things were. It had to be managed. Uh, and I think turning point theory suggests like the, the way that what, what we're supposed to do if we want to be you know in a healthy relationship is you should be able to talk about those turning points. You should be able to address them and talk about them. But most people don't do that. They just avoid them. They're, they're like, we just assume everything's going to stay the same, uh, mm-hmm. even though this big thing is coming up. So we'll just, we'll just pretend like it doesn't happen. Uh, but if there were couples that had to sit down and say, you know, we're stuck in the same place together. 
We're going to be around each other 24 hours a day, but let me tell you, I'm going to need like three hours to myself. So could you just not talk to me for three hours? That's normally not something you want to say to somebody you love and that, that loves you. You don't want to tell them stay away from me for three hours. But if you acknowledge like, this is the thing that could have an effect in our relationship. And this is the thing I need talk about it. Right. So, yeah, I think as much as naps model is fun and it's so easy. uh, (laughs) I love talking about it. Um, I think turning point theory, if people were to just Google it and look and look that up, you would see there's a lot of research on it. But um, I think that's a lot of the research you're going to see in the coming years about how quarantine and COVID served as like a turning point in a lot of relationships. And it can be turning point for the better, making relationships more stable or turning point for the worse, like driving us toward termination. Right, exactly. And in terms of leading us to the worst, do you think that quarantining with a significant other inevitably leads to an unhealthy codependency or a toxic relationship? No, I don't think, uh, I don't think inevitably it does. I think you can absolutely develop toxic tendencies and codependent tendencies based on it, but it doesn't mean that they have to continue. Like there's, there's nothing that suggests, um, Oh, when I was quarantining with my significant other, like we ate breakfast every morning together and we always ate the same breakfast. And that was really a way that I built connection with that person. And then if you get out of quarantine and you're like, oh, we're not going to eat breakfast together anymore. You, you shouldn't need the same level of connection or you shouldn't have developed an expectation for the same level of connection and attention and support that you got from your partner during quarantine mm-hmm. out of quarantine. You know, like there should be an expectation that, oh my God, we, I got vaccinated. I want to go do th- all the things. I right. want to go see my family. I want to go. And it's like, oh, well, we're not together then. And it's like, well, just because we've been forced to be for it doesn't mean we shouldn't be still be able to function in an open society, in a non-COVID society. I think relationships that are going to be most challenged are ones that are developed, that have developed fully while in quarantine. I agree with that. And I've already seen yeah. some terminate since. Yep. Like multiple. And yep. the other ones have gone in very dangerous territory in terms of jealousy and control. I've seen because you did, there were literally things they did not have to think about. Right. Like you didn't have to worry about any threats to the relationship. There was nothing to threaten the relationship because it was just there. They were always there or they were all, or they were right there on a zoom call with you all day, every day. And you knew where they were all day, every day. Cause they couldn't go anywhere. Now, all of a sudden people can start doing more things and you're like, Oh wait, if you can go out on Friday night, then I perceive that as a threat to the current positive state of our relationship. So I don't want you to do that. And the, if you think about how much we value time in relationships, we ask people how long they've been dating, right? And, oh, wow, you've been dating six months. Like, oh, my, oh you've been dating a year. Like, so this happened to a friend of mine. They got together with somebody right after quarantine started. Mm-hmm. And they have been each other's almost like safe space island. Like okay. they, are, they are tested regularly, right, at their home. And this other person is tested regularly because of their job, like at their home, and they only go to each other's places. So they know that if they only see each other, they're always going to be safe. Right. Right. They don't, they don't do anything else. They just go to each other's places. Well, they've been doing that for, and they've been doing that plus video chatting and other things, but they've been doing that for almost a year now. So I was talking to this person because it's, it's how long it's been. Like they started doing this in April. Right. Um, so I was talking to this person and I asked them, you know, you're coming up in a year, like, how do you feel? And they were like, yeah, like we have to, I don't know, like, I don't know how long this is going to go. And I was like, well, 
it's been a year. And it's like, yeah, but we didn't have anything else to do. So my response, like I was the bad one. Cause I was like, Oh my God, a year long relationship. Whereas they were looking at it like, yeah, it's only been like this because we couldn't do anything else. And now that we can start doing other things, the relationship's starting to fray uh, because they both have choices and they're starting to see like, wow, they're a little bit selfish or I'm, or I have more needs and wants that they can't necessarily meet or what satiated me six months ago does not satiate me anymore about this person, mm-hmm. but they're, they have this thing pushing back against them. Like, Oh, we've been together a year since it's been a year. Shouldn't we put more into it? But I'm like, no, it's not, it's like a year in a vacuum. So it shouldn't really count. But then the other people are like, no, it totally should. It was a year of your life that you devoted to somebody. You totally should. And it's like, well, or, or not. It, it, or Yeah. It's very circumstantial. It is. It is. I find it very interesting how those couples that were together before quarantine saw another side of each other because they were quarantined together or not. Yep. And then those couples that got together during quarantine are now experiencing that weird, what's going on? You know, more choice. Yeah. It's this. Imagine, like, you know, imagine a scenario you start dating somebody, you're only going over to each other's places, whatever. And we talk about, you know, like social attraction being one of the dimensions of attractiveness and Mm -hmm. social attraction is how somebody interacts. Like, I like how you talk. I like how we interact, like our rhythms match, something like that. Right. But social doesn't just exist with you and the other person. Social is them with their friends, them with their family, them with your friends, them with your family, all that, all those things were stripped away or even something like seeing how somebody interacts, like at a restaurant, it's funny. I ask people in class, I'm like, what are your red flags? And a lot of people will say stuff like, like oh, how they act around like wait staff. But yeah. imagine you've been dating somebody for a year and you haven't been able to go to a restaurant at all. And now you go to a restaurant with this person you've been dating for a year and they're mean to the wait staff. You haven't seen them do that. Mm-hmm. You've never heard them talk to their mom. And you hear them talk to their mom and they're mean to their mom. And you're like, oh my God, like, how did I not see this? It, the situation never presented itself. So I think there's a lot of couples who are going to start to add in pieces. Maybe they, they were fine in quarantine or they were fine living together. Like that was okay. They were fine with each other. But then as all these other situations start getting added, they're going to start seeing other sides of partners right. that are either going to be good or they're going to be bad. Last shatter moment, you could say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What does healthy communication in a long distance relationship look like? Uh, it, it literally doesn't have a framework because it, it has to match the needs of each partner. Right. Okay. So, so it's like if, and I'm, you will never hear me talk about love languages like ever because it's garbage science, but yes, <laughs> but, but I will say there's something to be said about knowing what your partner needs and desires, like in a long distance relationship. Um, do they need, uh, like, do they need to be constantly a part of your day? Do you need check-ins? Like you need to tell them like, Oh, just had a meeting. It went great going to this now, or do they just need daily kind of updates? Some people can't do, it's like, I'm my, I'm best when I can do daily updates. If I'm in a long distance relationship, I'm going to talk to somebody at the end of the night and a phone call or a video call and like unload everything. But I was in a long distance relationship with a partner who didn't like it like that. Like they wanted to know like from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. to 12 a.m. Like what I was doing at all times, didn't like long phone calls, wanted, would rather have five short phone calls throughout the day. I was big on sending gifts. 
mm-hmm. that was a thing that I really like to do. I like to send gifts. Yeah, I like to send surprise gifts. And what I didn't realize is that my partner hated surprise gifts what? because, well, and here, this is so <laughs> stupid, but lived in an apartment building where you needed to know that a package was coming to be able to get it. Do you know what I mean? So I would send a surprise. I would, I've sent flowers one time uh-huh. and she didn't get them for five days. They just sat at the desk and she didn't know that she was getting flowers. And then I was like, did you get the flowers? And she's like, when? And I told her and she went and got them. They were all like half dead. And then she was like, why would you do that? Why would you send me flowers? Like when you know it takes, you know, I need to, you have to, you can't surprise me. You have to tell me, oh, you have a package coming tomorrow. And I was like, oh, that gets rid of all the fun of it. But anybody else could hear me. Imagine if I told that somebody, I sent her flowers and she didn't like it. And they'd be like, oh, what a jerk she is. But it's not, it's circumstantial. Like you need to talk and be open and say, this is what I need. So I think a a healthy long distance relationship has more to do with um, the most open and honest communication about being selfish, which is not what we always want to talk about. Like I should be able to say, this is what I want from you. And you should be like, great, I'll give it to you. But if you're one of those people that's like very accommodating and you don't want to seem like you're asking for too much, then you're going to be like, oh no, you texted me once today. That was great. No, it's not because then you're always accommodating. And then like you, and then you feel like there's a deficit. So anyway, like I, there's no, there's no great answer to that other than, you know, what's the, what does healthy communication look like in a long distance relationship? It looks like communication. It looks like actually talking to your partner about what they desire and and telling them what you want and then being okay with being selfish and also being okay with sacrificing because it's not the same as a face-to-face relationship, but it's still doable. Um, You know, person by person, it's doable. Some people need so much physical touch that are like, no, I can't do long distance relationship or they have to have like the meetup to look forward to. Oh, I'm going to see you in 10 days. I'm going to see you in nine days. I'm going to see you in eight days. That's the thing that keeps them going where the other partner is just like, cool. Like that's, I want to FaceTime you tonight. I don't care about what happens eight days from now, you know? So all of this communication and the communication in terms of healthy relationships and toxic relationships it all depends on the actual communication, the circumstances. It, yeah, it depends on the skills of the people. So like, can you, do you actually have the ability to communicate about mm-hmm. feelings and emotions? Not everybody does. Like we say dumb, we say dumb stuff like, oh, I feel frustrated. No, nobody knows what that means. Or it's like, I'm sad. And it's like, well, about what? Like you, you have to, uh-huh. you got to be able to talk about it and not a lot of people are able to talk about it. So it's, it's the skills, it's the motivation, it's actually wanting to communicate with your other partner and then being able to like have the space to do it. Can we sit down and can we talk about this without having to be like, we need to talk because no good conversation comes after we need to talk. No, no one wants to hear that. No, no one ever wants to hear that. Don't ever say it to someone, just start the conversation. Okay, so take away, don't say we need to talk. <laughs> don't say we need to talk. Um, be open and honest, learn turning point theory. (laughs) There's another one and learn naps relational model and how it works. And, uh, if you quarantine with your partner, plan alone time, communicate, communicate. Shockingly, (laughs) my, my advice is communicate. Okay. Steve, thank you so much for today. This was fun, Piper. Thank you very much. So much fun. And thank you all so much for joining us today. This episode of WRBB's Brainwaves was hosted by Piper Leopold. This recording wouldn't be possible without the help of Caleb Dreisman, our podcast director, and Andrew Sendry, WRBB's general manager. This episode of Brainwaves was mixed and edited by our audio engineers. 
Special thanks to the WRBB leadership staff, Northeastern University, and Northeastern Student Activity Fee for funding this podcast. Our theme music is W by Mari Getty. Head to wrbbradio.org where you can find the latest episodes of all of our podcasts, listen to our internet live stream, and read up on the latest music reviews. And make sure to follow us all on social media at WRBB Radio. Thanks for tuning in.